You're listening to Comedy Central. March 5th, 2020. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. I'm Trevor Noah. Our guest tonight is the president of the WNBA Players Association and a forward for the Los Angeles Sparks. Nekwa Ogumike is joining us, everybody. <laughs> also on tonight's show, the presidential race is officially a sausage fest. Dulce Sloan celebrates Women's History Month. And have you been drinking water? Then you might be in trouble. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's kick it off with the Democratic primaries. After Super Tuesday, voters basically decided the race should be between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. So Michael Bloomberg promptly dropped out. And now in the wise words of the philosopher, Dejeh Khaled, another one. We begin with today's big breaking 2020 news. Senator Elizabeth Warren is dropping out. Warren speaking out on her decision to suspend her campaign. Gender in this race, you know. That is the trap question for every woman. Uh, If you say, yeah, there was sexism in this race, everyone says, whiner. And if you say, no, there was no sexism, about a bazillion women think, what planet do you live on? Um, I promise you this, I'll have a lot more to say on that subject later on. Damn, Elizabeth Warren has a good point. Yeah, because like it or not, That was some truth that she dropped there. A woman addressing sexism or ignoring it while running for president is either gonna be seen as a whiner or living on another planet, which is unfair, especially since the president is already a whiner who lives on another planet. (laughs) And whether you think sexism played a role or not, you have to admit, it's pretty strange that a race that started with a broad tapestry of candidates is now basically down to two old white men. Yeah, they're so old, that no matter which one of them wins, Donald Trump will be the youngest person in the race. (laughs) Think about that. That's wild. Like, there's no other job where these three people would be the top candidates. (laughs) Like, even if if they were auditioning for those life alert commercials, yeah, people would be like, uh, we're kind of going for someone healthier, you know? You guys don't really look like you're young enough to save, you know what I mean? (laughs) And now the big question is, Who is Elizabeth Warren gonna endorse? Biden or Bernie? Is she gonna swipe right or really far left? (laughs) All right, let's move on to this year's biggest viral challenge, the coronavirus. While the CDC is struggling to test patients and stores are running out of cleaning supplies, we're finding out just how fast this thing can spread. New alarm bells ringing tonight on the coronavirus outbreak in this country. There are now more than 150 cases in a growing number of states. A New York City lawyer is hospitalized. His wife, daughter, and son testing positive. A family friend who he spent time with is also positive, as are his wife and three children. Officials also announcing the neighbor who drove the lawyer to the hospital has the virus. The neighbor's children are being tested. The governor says no need to panic. (laughs) Okay, there's definitely a need to panic. (laughs) 
Because the only time people say there's no need to panic is when there's something to panic about. <laughs> like a pilot never comes on the PA like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, no need to panic, uh, but we've landed. <laughs> You'd be like, and? And nothing, there's no need to panic. <laughs> because that graphic is especially scary. Did you see that thing? Look at that. Like everyone got the virus. That guy got the virus, then his wife got the virus, his kids got the virus, his neighbor got the virus, probably everyone sharing his Netflix account got the virus, huh? <laughs> the guy who drove him to the hospital got the virus, which means the car's GPS probably got the virus as well. Just like, turn right now, coughing, coughing, <laughs> touching face. No GPS, don't touch your face! <laughs> you don't even have a face! Now, leaders all over the world are handling corona in very different ways. You know, some are panicking and some are not doing enough. Luckily for all of us here in the United States, there's one person who isn't worried at all. We have right. a report today, the global death rate at 3.4% and a report that the Olympics could be delayed. Your reaction to that? Well, I think the 3.4% is really a false number. Now, this is just my hunch. It's because a lot of people will have this and it's very mild. So I think that that number is very high. I think the number, personally, I would say the number is way under 1%. Yes, good news. Trump has a hunch that coronavirus is not as deadly as people think. In fact, he personally has a feeling that the death rate is lower than 1%. What the f*** is that? (laughs) I've got a feeling is a phrase that should only be reserved for low stakes situations. You know, like whether tonight's gonna be a good, good night. (laughs) And honestly, I don't know why Trump is doing this. Like, why is he being like, oh, it's not that bad, it's not that... He's acting like the virus is no big deal. No one is blaming Trump for coronavirus. People just don't want him ignoring it. Like, it'll just go away. This is a global pandemic, not his son, Eric. <laughs> and by the way, why was... Why was Fox News showing the White House for that call? I mean, based on where Trump spends most of his time, it's more likely he was at Mar-a-Lago or KFC. I mean, I don't even know why they did that. Right, and finally, here's a fun story to lighten up your day. Uh, you know how everyone always tells you to not text while driving because it can lead to a disaster? Well, this next driver should have taken that advice. Please stop what you're doing and take a look at your screen. Check out a major fail after a man passed his driving test. Just 10 minutes later, yeah, that same man, he drove his car into a river. It happened in Southern China. Reports say he was trying to avoid those pedestrians on the bridge. Apparently, he was reading, get this, messages on his phone congratulating him for passing his driver's test. There are so many things about this story. First of all, he was trying to avoid the... Why didn't he just stop? (laughs) Like, that thing, it went bad so fast. It looked like the driving version of Mike Bloomberg's campaign, you know? (laughs) It was like, I'm the only one who can... Ah, Elizabeth Warren! (laughs) And you know who I really feel bad for? The person he was apparently texting with? Because you realize they're still at home, looking at those three little dots, and nothing has come out. What is he saying? What is he saying? Did he pass the test or not? But still, people, the real lesson here is about texting while driving. Because you see, this only happened because the driver looked down to read his texts. Then he looked up, saw the pedestrians, panicked, swerved, and went into the water. So please, don't make this mistake, all right? Just keep looking down at your phone (laughs) the whole time. You let the people jump out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, because if people jump off the bridge, we can always make more people, but that car is never coming back. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on. Top, top story. (laughs) 
Right now, we're all on edge because of the coronavirus. And yes, it is scary, but you know what helps me sleep at night? Is remembering that there are a million other things that could kill me first. Yeah, there's car accidents or fires or that suicide pact I made with my best friend in high school if we weren't married by now. But luckily, luckily, the US government recently took action to cross one potential killer off the list. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is targeting PFAS chemicals in its new proposal for a national drinking water standard. PFAS are toxic chemicals linked to serious diseases like, oh, cancer, liver damage, and thyroid disease. And guess what? They never, ever, ever degrade. In fact, they're known as forever chemicals. They're so prevalent, CDC scientists believe PFAS chemicals are in the bloodstreams of nearly all Americans. Yeah, apparently there's a group of chemicals called PFAS <laughs> that are in all of our blood and it might cause cancer. And because they're impossible to break down, they're known as forever chemicals, which sounds really dangerous, but also kind of romantic. <laughs> yeah, it does. It sounds like something from an old school R&B song. You know, it's just like, girl, I wanna be your forever chemical. <laughs> There's nothing toxic about our love. <laughs> but what are these forever chemicals? And how did they get into us? Because if it's not sexually transmitted, I don't know how I got it. <laughs> well, let's find out in another installment of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. <laughs> now, forever chemicals might be with us until the end of time, but... They were only engineered by scientists about 80 years ago. And for a while, it seemed like they would only change the world for the better. PFAS chemicals were first discovered in 1938, accidentally by scientists. They were used a few years later in the Manhattan Project. What make PFAS so useful in manufacturing is how the chemicals fit together. The fluorine atoms just so happen to fit perfectly around the carbon atoms to create a bond that resists things like heat, oil, and water. It's in most products that are water, heat, and grease resistant. They're used to repel water, grease, and oil in all sorts of things, from carpets to clothing to nonstick cookware that's right, forever chemicals are used to keep things like food, oil, and moisture from sticking to surfaces, which you can't deny is really useful. I mean, like, I don't wanna get cancer, but at the same time, have you ever tried scraping eggs off a non, <laughs> like, like a sticky pan? Have you tried that? It's a nightmare. Like, there have definitely been times when I was just like, oh, I'd rather be dead! <laughs> and this technology, this technology was discovered by scientists entirely by accident, which always amazes me that they can do this. Like, scientists are always making one thing, but then they discover something totally different. You know, I mean, like, I've done the same thing in my life. Like, one time I was trying to create dinner for my girlfriend, but instead I discovered that she didn't love me. <laughs> I, I guess, in a way, me and Stacy were also nonstick. But the point is, the point is, these forever chemicals have tons of uses. Uh, they were even used in the Manhattan Project to help build the first atomic bomb, which means at some point in the 1940s, a general was like, did you discover a way to defeat the Germans? And the scientists were like, uh, we're still working on it. Uh, but, but before I get to that, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> now, forever chemicals would be incredible if they remained in all those products like they were supposed to. Unfortunately, they just can't seem to stay put. 
So once they're made, they just accumulate in the environment, they end up in our water supply, they end up in our food, and they end up in us. The environmental watchdog group found forever chemicals, or PFAs, in drinking water in some 31 states. You'll find them in the lining of typical takeout containers and pizza boxes. But the toxins in the packaging can transfer into food. The Food and Drug Administration just found substantial levels in some grocery store meats and seafood. And they found even higher levels in chocolate cake that can be bought off the shelf. Damn, chocolate cake takes no prisoners. <laughs> if it doesn't get you with the diabetes, it's got a backup plan to take you down with secret chemicals. <laughs> yeah, it's like if Walter White teamed up with Betty Crocker. <laughs> and why does this always happen with food we love, huh? It's always the food we love that's coming to kill us. You never hear the news say, this just in, fermented horse meat is bad for you. <laughs> it's always like, do you enjoy chocolate cake and water? Well, you dead now. <laughs> because chocolate cake would have been bad enough, but forever chemicals are also in our water. Our water, people. That means it's in the sink, it's in the shower, which means it's seen me naked. <laughs> so it could give me cancer and blackmail me? I swear to God, Forever Chemicals, you tell anyone about that thing hanging off my back and I'll kill you. <laughs> so anyway, thanks to Forever Chemicals, everything from your food to your drinking water is contaminated. And yes, the EPA is finally starting to take action now, but people have been raising concerns about these Forever Chemicals for decades. And for decades, companies like DuPont were brushing off those concerns like they were food on a Teflon pan. Even DuPont says it cannot rule out the Teflon-connected products, such as its Stainmaster carpet treatment, give off the chemical. Uma Chowdhury, a vice president of research, is the DuPont executive chosen to publicly defend Teflon. She says Teflon is completely safe, even if the key chemical is in everyone's blood. Everyone has it. Everyone has it. It's in my blood? Your blood? Possibly. We do not believe there are any adverse health effects. Is it a good thing to have it in your blood? There are lots of chemicals that are present in our blood. There are lots of chemicals in our blood? Yeah, but right now, we're talking about the chemicals your company put there. What kind of defense is this? Can you imagine if you caught someone breaking into your home and you're like, hey, what are you doing here? They're like, uh, there are many people in houses right now. <laughs> I mean, who's that guy? You're like, that's my husband, my point exactly. So at this point, at this point, no matter what the government does to fight forever chemicals, there's a good chance a lot of the damage is already done. If you've got blood, these forever chemicals are in it. So all companies like DuPont can do now is just put their best spin on things, which isn't easy. Well, I won't lie, if I ran DuPont, I would, I would try. I'd try and like, figure out a way to make it look good. You know, I wouldn't hide the fact that they may have poisoned almost every human on the face of the planet. No, I. I would make ads to own it with pride. What do banks, real estate, and the Oscars have in common? Discrimination. But at DuPont, we're all about inclusivity. That's right, no matter who you are or where you're from, DuPont will poison you. I grew up in Texas, and I've got DuPont chemicals in my blood. Look at me. I am from Uganda, and I am poisoned. Because of all these chemicals in my blood, the doctors say, I've got cancer. And so does my husband. <laughs> DuPont, forever chemicals for everyone. So we'll be right back.
as you know, March is Women's History Month. It's the one month when Mike Pence can't be alone with a calendar. <laughs> and to help us celebrate, we're joined by our senior women's history correspondent, Dulce Sloan, everybody! <laughs> Hello! Happy Women's History Month. Happy? It would be happy if you got me a gift. Well, another one. I, I just got you a gift for Black History Month. Yeah, because I'm black in February, and in March, I'm a woman. <laughs> But that's not fair. Okay, so then when do I get a gift? In April, because you're a fool. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Trevor, have you ever wondered why women don't get the historic credit they deserve? Uh, sexism? Statues, Trevor. Women don't have as many statues as men. In fact, nationwide, only 8% of outdoor statues are of women. Wow. How did you know that statistic? (laughs) I drink Snapple. I read. What? <laughs> Internet. Come on, dog. And I've seen it for myself. I was walking through Central Park the other day, under duress, and <laughs> I saw statues of Alexander Hamilton, Christopher Columbus, William Shakespeare, all famous men from history. But it comes to women, there's only two statues in Central Park. Alice in Wonderland and Mother Goose. (laughs) Which makes no damn sense. Alice is just a white girl who took Molly. (laughs) And why does Mother Goose get a statue? All she did was a goose. I I don't think that's right. Fine, she made love to a goose. No, that's not right. Okay, anyway, Dulce, I'm lost. How does having more statues help? Because, Trevor, statues help us remember history. When you walk past the statue and you're like, oh, yeah, MLK did have a dream. Thomas Jefferson was a complicated individual. (laughs) And when you don't honor women the same way you honor men, you're leaving them out of history. That's true. true. Well, Well, at least... At least women have the Statue of Liberty. That's one of the most famous statues in the world. That doesn't count. We need statues of real women, not some giant French bitch holding an ice cream. (laughs) No, someone like Toni Morrison, the first black woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. Or someone like Frances Perkins, the first woman appointed to a presidential cabinet. Or someone like Beyonce. The first woman to be Beyonce. Why doesn't she have a statue? I mean, she's already standing like a statue. She's ready. This, this is actually a great idea. But, but I hope you understand, building thousands of statues is, of women is gonna be difficult. I mean, statues are expensive. You know, this is gonna be a project that's gonna take a lot of time. Oh, I've already done it, Trevor. What? I've designed one statue to symbolize all women, their power, their beauty, their mystique. A flawless avatar of womanhood (laughs) that anyone can look at and see themselves. Dulce, that's a statue of you. Oh, Trevor. (laughs) I'm touched that you can see me in that art. No, it's literally you. It has your name on it. And also, why are you holding a baby? You don't have kids. 
That baby symbolizes America, okay? <laughs> Which women have been carrying for far too long. Powerful. Nah, I'm kidding. It's Idris Elba's baby. <laughs> Cause that's some history I wanna make. Don't say slow to everybody. We'll be right back. My guest tonight is a WNBA champion and six-time All-Star who plays for the Los Angeles Sparks. As president of the Players' Union, she played a leading role in negotiating higher pay and expanded benefits for all of the women in the league. Please welcome Nekwa Ogumike. Welcome to the show. Thank you. This is so fun, especially having a woman president on the show. This oh, is nice. Gosh. I hope this is a predictor <laughs> of the future. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I don't even know where to start in your world be because of how many achievements you, you just have, uh, you know, in your resume. L let's start with your journey as a player. Okay. You, know, you are one of the most accomplished players that we've ever seen in the game of basketball. M Magic Johnson said that he watches you play and he goes, you're one of the smartest players on and off the court. He actually said, you, you, you are like a combination of Magic Johnson and LeBron James. I appreciate that. That, that, is, <laughs> that is really high praise. You've dominated. You've dominated for such a long time. What's interesting is your sister plays in the team with you. She does. She's also amazing. Yeah. And then you have a younger sister who has been predicted to also be coming into the W. What are they feeding you in your family? <laughs> if you must know, we're Nigerian, so we eat a lot of agusi soup. Ah, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. But is there, is there something in your family where like, like how, do you, how do you have so many great basketball players in the family? I don't know. I, I, I really couldn't tell you. You know, we just kind of grew up knowing what excellence was. Right. Um, in our culture, it's just, the staple and the standard. And yes. so, to be honest, like if I was playing another sport, I would have found a way to be excellent in that. Right. And it's just so happened that we all play basketball. Um, but not only that, you know, we had the opportunity to play basketball at Stanford University between me and my sister, mm -hmm. and then my youngest two sisters play at Rice. And it's just in the blood, you know? It's interesting yeah. that you, you've been playing for so long and, and the WNBA is so young as a league. So when, when, when you started off playing, there wasn't even an idea of a possible future. I mean, the, the WNBA has been growing exponentially, but it's still, was that ever an idea? Did you think, oh, I'm gonna be playing professionally or were you just doing this for fun? I'm not gonna lie, Trevor. I didn't think I was gonna play professionally until I was like halfway through my senior year of college. Wow. Um, and I think that is attributed to just to how we were raised, but also not being, kind of being ignorant to the opportunities for women in sports. Right. And for me to look back and understand how much I've grown in my intellect about that, and being able to educate people about that and mm -hmm. also affect change in this current CBA, I feel like I found my legacy. It's kind of cool. That's really amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that really is amazing. But the, w, the WNBA is, is truly one of the most interesting stories because here you have this league that keeps on growing year on year. You know, it, it, does, it does better and better. It makes more and more money. And, and yet there are so many complicated stories within it. You, you have amazing women who are athletes who play in this league. Um, most of them, I've, I've heard, have college degrees. 
Almost like, everyone. Almost everyone? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's special on its own. That's very special. You have business owners, you have entrepreneurs, but then because of the pay structures in the league, most of the women have to go overseas to earn, and, and correct me if it's wrong, but more money from other countries playing in a basketball league. We have a 12-month season. Right. And that is to, that gives us an opportunity to earn up to 10 times more. Than I'm sorry, what? Up to 10 times more. Up, what do you mean up to 10, up to 10 times more where? Compared to what we make here. You get paid 10 times more outside of America. There are, there are players that do. Um, and so we wanted to make sure like, that... What, like, <laughs> which countries are these? <laughs> I mean, Russia's one. <laughs> Wait, Russia? So Russia is paying some of the women up to 10 times more what yeah. they make in America. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I, I never thought I would be saying to ladies, go to Russia. <laughs> but, but that's what, so, so, so players in the WNBA have, have had to make this choice where it's like you play the entire year just to basically sustain yourself as a basketball player. Yeah, and you know, it kind of what's reflected in our CBA now, we wanted to kind of, you know, we, we didn't want to make it a, an obligation. We wanted to create more disparity in the choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so now with what we hopefully catalyzed in this current collective bargaining agreement, there's players that now have opportunities to not only make more money, but be to, to be compensated in the league market, in the team market, so that they don't feel like they have to go overseas, right. which also affects motherhood and child planning. Right, right, right. So um, now you don't have to decide, when am I gonna have my kid? Or am I scared to tell them that I'm pregnant? Right. And those are the types of resources and implications that we wanted to change at a foundational level that can hopefully create a much better future for women's basketball. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> how, you, how do you respond to those people who, some of, some of which are trolls, but some who maybe, you know, genuinely from their side say like, I don't understand They're why. all trolls. Yeah, they're all trolls? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Some people are like, why do WNBA players want more money? They're like, they don't have as many fans as the NBA. You know, I just don't understand um, the ignorance because it doesn't make sense. Right. But at the same time, I think it boils down to the business being run properly, which right. um, our current commissioner now is really working hard to fix. Granted, basketball is basketball, but the game is different on the women's side. And mm-hmm. the fans that we do have, which are a lot, that is not true. We do have fans. And I expect everyone here to go to a WNBA game this summer. <laughs> including you. I'm gonna go. You're gonna go. I love watching live okay. basketball. But we do have fans. <laughs> you guys go already? 23 years. 23 years? Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So. Wow, that's we from the fans. beginning. That's OG yeah. fans. So like, you know, it's just, it's not true that we don't have fans, but the business is different. You know, we play differently. Um, we appeal to a different market mm-hmm. and we have to tap into that in order for the business to thrive. When, when you look at the journey you've been on, when you look at the journey the league has been on, the players have been on, there's no doubt that the league is growing. There's no doubt that the league makes more money. Is, is there an argument of, of chicken and the egg? You know, like people go like, oh, maybe if the league makes more money, then the players can get more money. But is there also the argument of, oh, if you invest more in the league, then the league becomes more popular. If it becomes more popular, it makes more money. That is definitely what we're dealing with right now. And instead of just talking about the chicken or the egg, bring a chicken that lays an egg or let an egg crack. Like, do something. Mm, don't mm, don't mm, just mm. keep talking about right. it. Right. Yeah. So what's, what's, your, what's your goal and, and, and your journey now? Because, I mean, you, you are a legend both in and outside of basketball. Um, you know, you, you've achieved so many accolades. Um, where, do you, where do you see your journey taking you? Um, right now, I've, 
I'm finally grabbing the wheel of the car that's taking me to wherever I need to go. Right. Um, but to be honest, I just want to educate more people about the WNBA, women in sports, empowering women in general, mm-hmm. um, especially educating other women on how to empower women. We do need allies, of course. That's just kind of what I want to do. I just want to educate people because ignorance really eliminates a lot of preconceptions Mm -hmm. and it changes actions in a very small way. Right. And I tell everyone, okay, if you can't go to a WNBA game, at least have the TV on and let it contribute to the ratings. Turn it on. If you absolutely have nothing to do, you can find a game. It's not impossible to find a game. Turn it on, watch it, follow me now, you know me now, you know, in whatever way you can. I know a lot of people probably know my teammate, Candace Parker. I'm sure you can follow her. Don't right. just watch her as an analyst. Watch her play. And if you can't see her, then you can't be her. And that's what I want to change. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Because I think one of, the, one of the more interesting and also heartbreaking stories is undeniably that of Gigi Bryant. Yeah. We saw all these images of her, and there, was, there were seldom images of her that didn't involve basketball. You know, whether it was her playing in, in, in her dress and in her heels, you know, that, that, that video that went around, whether it was pictures of her practicing with her dad, Kobe, whether it was images of her at a game staring at you, you know, almost looking at you like, wow, this is where I dream of being. There's no denying that Gigi Bryant in many ways represented the future of what the WNBA could be, you know, because she, was, she wasn't just playing basketball to play basketball. She was trying to get somewhere and that somewhere was the WNBA, she looked up to you, she looked up to many other players in the WNBA. What do you think that's done for the sport and what do you hope young girls out there who are playing right now will have that your generation doesn't? You know, losing Gigi, I think, to the world, um, it exposed people to a lot that they didn't know, not just about a young girl who wanted to aspire to be like her dad, but a young girl that was moving things for women without even realizing it. She was authentically herself. Right. And by her being authentically herself, um, you know, we saw a living legacy in her, uh, not just through her father, um, but also for women in sports and for the WNBA. Right. When we got to ex- experience her, we were looking at what we were working for. You know, we're not just here to make a difference for the current players, for the rookies coming in. We're here to make a difference for those girls like Gigi, whose eyes lit up every time that they saw us. And that is out there, and people need to know that that is out there. Um, We were tragically alarmed by it, Mm -hmm. but it certainly was a wake-up call. Um, And it really hit hard for the women's basketball community to lose her, but we're gonna live in her honor. I think you do that every single day. Congratulations on everything you've done. Thank you. Congratulations on making history. Thank you. Thank you. Nekwa Ogumike of the WNBA's Los Angeles Fox, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.